there's a wisdom that comes to mom now, Father, to raise her in the nurture and admonition of you, Father. She'll train Genesis up in the way that she should go so that when she's old, she will not depart from you. Father, this support system will be here all the days of their lives to pray, support, and be whatever they need them to be. So we thank you that Genesis is blessed from this day forward in Jesus' name. Everyone that agrees with that prayer, shout it. Amen. Let's give this family another big round of applause. Praise God. You all can be seated. Thank you all for your support today. God bless you. Everyone else can be seated as well. You all were already heading towards your seats before I even said it, y'all. I've been standing up long enough today, right? All right, well, I've got to stand up for about 45 more minutes, and I am excited. I want to read a testimony to you. I tried to get it out to you on last week, but they're just coming in so fast. But I, I want to read this one right here. There's another one that I wanted to read, too. I want to tell you all, one of your members, one of your colleagues, one of your family members, uh, one from unemployed, this just blessed me reading, I'll read it in its totality here soon, but one from being unemployed to temp positions, listen to this, to now being hired with just shy of a six-figure permanent salary. God is good, okay? I want to read this one to you. It says, hi, Pastor G. I just want to encourage somebody's faith in here. Because how many know God is no respecter of persons? So whatever he does for one, he'll do for all of his children. It says, hi, Pastor G. I just wanted to give you my testimony of supernatural debt cancellation. I experienced Friday morning. As we're approaching the end of the month and preparation to pay bills, I noticed extra money in my wife and I's savings account. While looking at the reason, it said, refund escrow surplus. My wife and I were excited, but wanted to contact the bank to make sure. How many know most of you all would not have contacted that bank? You would have said, it's in my account now. That's on them. If it got in there the wrong way, that's on them. You'd have said, praise God, glory to God. Look what the Lord has done, right? Well, this person called the uh, bank, the husband and wife called the bank, just to make sure they were so excited that it wasn't an error. When I spoke to the mortgage specialist, she confirmed that we have indeed uh, an escrow surplus. All our taxes are paid in full for 2016. With the extra money, we were able to tie, pay off a major credit card, buy the extra clothes, school clothes and supplies for our kids. To God be the glory. Come on, can we rejoice with them right now? Give God glory for that. And I just want to say publicly, I believe that that same thing will happen to somebody else who will reach up right now by faith and take that and believe for some supernatural, unexpected income to hit your bank account or your pockets or your hands. It doesn't matter how it, if a St. Bernard needs to show up at your front door with a barrel on his neck, somebody get in line in here and say, God, I receive supernatural debt cancellation now in Jesus' name. Now, thank him for it in advance. That's faith. Come on, thank him for it in advance. That's faith right there. Now, we're talking about biblical laws of prosperity, and I want to give you our three opening texts, and then we're going to go right to new information for today. Our first opening text was found in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. We know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The Word of God. So you'll see a common theme today. Never get to a place 
where you believe you've heard something too much. How I many you know the, the Word of God is always giving birth to new revelation? Then always measure it by this. How much, it is, how much of it is actually true in my life? How much of it has manifested in my life? And then that's where you always want to say, okay, I can learn more, I can grow more, I need to hear more. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Then we look at John chapter 17, verse 17, and John praying to the Father, uh, or Jesus actually praying to the Father on behalf of his disciples. He prayed, Father, separate them through thy truth. He said, thy word is truth. And I believe God wants to allow us to let his word separate us from the world so much that they are jealous and envious of our marriages. They are jealous and envious of us as parents and, and how well our children are doing. Come on, I believe God wants the world to look at us and see a clear difference between what it looks like to follow him and what it looks like to not follow him. And I believe he wants to use us as trophies and, and put us up on, on pedestals and on mountaintops so that the whole world can see how good he is in his prayer. Jesus' final prayer was, Father, separate them, set them apart through your truth because your word is truth. And the word is the only thing that has the power to separate us from everything that this world has to offer. And then our final one, which is one of my favorites, is in 3 John chapter 2. It says, Brethren, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as what? Your soul prospers. And we don't want to minimize your soul prospering. We know he wants us to prosper. Us, what are we? We're a tripart being. We're a spirit that possesses a soul that lives in a physical body. And God wants all three aspects of that to increase and succeed. But he said, I want it to happen even as your soul prospers. So your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. I mean, once we get our thinking in line with God's thinking, then we can have what God said we can have. So it's so important to go through that metamorphosis and transformation where we get out that old way of thinking and we allow the new way of thinking according to God's word to really take priority in our lives. Well, the soul, again, is the mind, the will. Once we find out what God said, now it's important that we align our will with what that word says. And I found a lot of times that's where the battle is. I mean, we all still want to do what we want to do. And it's a daily challenge to get our will in line with God's will. And then finally, the emotions. A lot of people can make one bad decision because they let their emotions get out of check. Anybody in here ever just said the wrong thing, made the wrong decision, just allowing your emotions to get out? We've all done it at one point or another. Well, the Word of God is so powerful, folks. It has so much life in it, it can even control your emotions. And you don't have to allow your emotions to control you. You can submit your emotions to the Word of God, and your emotions have to get in check, okay? Let's go to all new information on today. Today, we're going to get a clear picture. We're going to look at poverty versus prosperity. And I want you to know, before we even get started today, I've been both, and prosperity is better. Do I have any other witnesses in here? Come on, I've been so broke. Man, listen. I don't even know how to describe how broke I have been at different seasons in my life. Come on, anybody else? I, I've been, I can remember walking around. You all remember when you used to get 10 cents when you'd return the can or the bottle? Anybody, anybody go back that far? Man, I can remember walking around finding $2 in cans and bottles. Too much pride to go in the store and cash them in myself 
Ask the guy standing outside, would you take these in for me and cash them for me? I give you 50 cents of the two dollars. I mean, oh, that's a shame when you're broke and you still got too much pride to go in and get two dollars worth of cash. But, but listen to me, folks. I've been on both sides of this, and I'm convinced. Prosperity is better. Man, anybody else in here convinced of the same? All right, let, let's look at this today. Let's talk about this today. We're talking about poverty versus prosperity. When I think about poverty versus prosperity, it really boils down to two words, obedience and disobedience. Really boils down to those two words. If you will, go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 28, and let's get a clear picture of this today. Poverty versus prosperity. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Let's begin there. We're going to see that the blessings that come from God, they come from obeying God. Okay? Let's look at Deuteronomy 28 as an opening text. If there are any parents in the room, you'll understand very clearly what we're getting ready to read. The more your children obey you, the more open your hand is to your children. Anyone in here willing to admit that? You literally have an open hand towards your children the more they obey you. You'll find the less they obey you, what begins to happen to that hand? Begins to close and you begin to withdraw that hand, right? And so we love them the same whether they're obeying or disobeying. But the level and the degree that we release what's in our possession to them is determined by their level of obedience. How many of y'all would agree to that today? All right, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, let's look here, verses 1 and 2. It says, now it shall come to pass, this is going to happen, is what he's saying. If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. The word diligently means to hearken intently, or really in plain English, it means to listen with the intent to obey. And if you're married in here, I mean, you know, there are times when you hear your spouse, but you're not listening. And they know we're not listening because we're not looking at them in the eye. Then they always ask that question, my wife, what did I say? Can I just be real transparent with you all? I heard you, but repeat that again one more time. What was that? Because I was hearing her, but I wasn't listening. I mean, no, you're not listening unless biblically, unless there's some level of intent to obey behind it which means then you're processing, you're writing down, you're instantly thinking about how can I apply this to my life right away if you're listening with the intent to obey. Stay, follow me today. Stay close. So it shall come to pass. In other words, this is going to happen if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all of his commandments, which I command you this day, that the Lord your God will set you on high. How many know it is always God's plan and his will that the believers and his children be on top? It's been that way since the beginning of time. We were never born or born again to be on the bottom. We have always been made to be at the top. And he says here that I will set you on high above all nations and all these blessings shall come upon you and they shall overtake you. Watch this now. So not only will you have everything that you need, 
but it's going to get to a place where it'll run you over and you'll have more than what you need because God's will has always been that you not just have enough for you, but you have enough to be a blessing to someone else too. I mean, you haven't fully been blessed until you can give away. That is true empowerment when you have more than what you need and you can take the more that you need and be a blessing to someone that is less fortunate than you. That has always been God's best, highest, and best for his children. He says, why though? Because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Now, he said two different things here. There's the voice of the Lord, right? And then there's the commandment of the Lord. We used to teach Bible school students this all the time. I would encourage you not to run around trusting voices. Learn how to discipline yourself to the commandment and what's written. Because what you'll find is the, the commandment, the word, the written word, will always agree with the Spirit. And the two of them will never contradict each other. So anytime you think he's instructing you to do something, you can always go back to what's written to confirm that. Right? And if you can't go back to what's written, then I would not follow the voice. Everyone have that. So many people say, the Lord told me to do something. Right? We hear that a lot in church, right? This is what I would really encourage you to do. Develop a relationship with the written word. The more time you spend with the written word, the more you'll be able to discern the voice. Right? Best way I can describe this to you. How many of y'all had mothers like I had growing up? which meant her octaves, her voice could travel blocks and blocks away. So I could be up at the park where I cannot physically see her. Our house was in the middle of the block, but I could hear this voice yelling, especially when the street lights started flickering. Anybody come from that era where you got to be home before the street lights come on? If the street lights beat you home, you just come in the house and just pull down. You already know the drill. Anybody in here can relate to that. But, but literally, I spent so much time with her voice that even though I couldn't see her, I could recognize the voice and knew that that was my mother calling me home. More time you spend with what's written, the more you'll be able to recognize his voice because it's always going to be consistent with what he wrote. Is everybody clear on that? All right, now, drop down to verses 11 through 13. I want to just kind of give you a picture of God's plan, purpose, will, future for your life. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods. Somebody say amen to that. In the fruit of your body, that's more health than what you need. In the increase of your livestock. Your career, your job, your occupation, your investments, they all increase. And in the produce of your ground, you'll be productive wherever it is you're planted. The land which the Lord swear to the fathers to give you. The Lord will open his good treasure, the heavens to give the rain to your land in its season. And he'll bless all the work of your hand. I want you to understand, everything that you do should succeed. 
Not because you're great, but because God is great. And every time you choose to obey him, he builds in a support system that prospers you with angels, the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. I mean, there's a complete support system in the earth that will help you carry out whatever it is you have put your hands to do, and you won't just carry it out struggling. It is supposed to succeed, listen to me, and take you all the way to the top. I don't care if you plant a garden in your backyard. You're supposed to have the best vegetables on the block. People on the block are supposed to come to your house to try to figure out what kind of water are you using, what kind of fertilizer are you using, because I cannot get my plants to grow like yours. You know what your response should be? It's the Word of God. I pray over these plants, these vegetables every day, and God causes them to grow like that. Stay with me. Watch this now. I cannot stress this enough. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. I'm going to keep feeding you this because you are supposed to get to a place where you owe no man nothing but to love him. Listen, you, you don't, I know what it's like to pay car notes, and I know what it's like to pay cash for a car. There is a big difference. God's will for your life is that you get to a place where you walk in the car dealership and you finance through your checkbook. Don't try to start there, though. Start with just clothes and food and groceries. Start paying cash for that. Then depending on where your money is, listen to me, receive this by faith. Go out and, and, and practice by buying a used car cash first. It's going to feel so good to you. If that's where you're at, buying a used one cash is better than buying a new one in debt. And you start practicing, right? What will happen is you'll graduate from clothes, groceries, to cars. Then eventually you're going to get to a place where you're going to buy a house. And they're going to ask you, who will you be financing this home through? And you will say, my checkbook. Somebody's going to walk in that. Somebody will have enough faith in this building to believe God at his word and walk in that one day of your life. His will was always that we get to a place where we're the lender and not the borrower. He said, you'll lend and you shall not borrow. And the Lord shall make you the head and not the tail. Watch this now. You shall be above only. Listen, folks, you were not designed to struggle. That's why your body breaks down. It's not meant to deal with stress. Stay with me for a moment. Are you listening to me today? You were born to be on the top. Whatever the best is in this world, God put it here for you. Oh, is it? Oh, Jesus. Did you hear what he just said? He said you're to be above only. I receive that. 
I receive that. How many of y'all know it's one thing to get to the top? It's another thing to stay at the top. God has the ability through his word to not only get you to the top, but also cause you to stay at the top. Does that mean we won't get hit? Does that mean that things won't happen at the top? Not at all. The weapons can form, but they can't prosper, folks. Come on, somebody. Come on, targets. Come on, the devil can shoot. He, He can do whatever he wants to do, but he cannot knock me off of my post at the top. He said above only and not to be beneath. Then the conditional clause in the contract. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, watch this, and are careful to observe them. Or in other words, do them. So we know that God blessed Abraham and all of his descendants with prosperity Not because Abraham was perfect. Abraham was far from it, wasn't he? Right? How many people do you know will say that their wife is their sister and give them to somebody else so that they can have them as their wife? I don't know of too many people that would do that. I don't know too many people that would lie and say that someone is my sister who's my wife and let an enemy capture her. Right? Abraham was far from perfect. Right? You all might remember, uh, what was her name? What was his assistant? Haggai. You all might remember Haggai, right? Or actually it was Sarah. Sarah came up with an idea, right? Maybe God wants this child to come through Haggai. Why don't you go go in to our handmaid and and, uh, see if that's the way God wants the baby to come? If you read that, the scripture says that Abraham hearkened. You know what the word hearken means? He instantly obeyed. He basically said, I can do what? I'm out of here. Let me hurry up before she checks. Abraham was far from perfect. So watch this. God didn't do this because Abraham was right. God did this because God is right. And once he made a covenant and he swore, it could not be reversed. I want you to keep that in your mind. Once God says this, folks, All we've got to do is obey it, and it has to be true in our lives. Hallelujah. You all want a little bit more of this today? Okay, watch this now. Drop down to verse 15. Now we're going to see verse 15. We're going to find an outline of the curse of the law. Okay, just an outline. I won't even read it all because it doesn't apply to us. I said that by faith. It won't have any effect on anyone in this building. So I won't even take the time to read it. But let me read verse 15. But it shall come to pass. So in other words, this is going to happen. All right? Notice it's built into the blessing and the curse. If you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all of his commandments, And his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses shall come on you and overtake you. The curse spells complete and total poverty in every area of life. Folks, listen to me. Poverty is not a blessing from God. I'll say it again. Poverty is not a blessing from God. 
to believe that it is and that believing that carries some level of humility towards God, how many know it's an embarrassment to the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Because he literally became poor so that we could be rich. He took sickness and disease so that our bodies could be well. Come on, he went to death, hell, and the grave so that we wouldn't have to spend a day of our lives in hell. I don't think he went through all of that to put something on us that he sent his son to make sure we'd never experience one day in our lives. And that's a false sense of humility in any aspect to believe that it is. I want to prove it to you even further. I'll just do this in synopsis form. If we go back to the beginning, if the curse came from God, then he would have blessed Adam or cursed Adam at the beginning. Right? But it says, in the beginning, made him male and female. In the beginning, made he them. And he did what? He blessed them. He did not curse them. So listen to me. Any effects of that curse does not come from God. How many of y'all believe that today? And it doesn't belong to you. I'm telling you. You, somebody in here, you've been to the top before, then you came back down. If you look at that, when you went up, just look at what you were doing. When you went down, look at what you were doing. God stayed the same. The difference now is you're getting ready to go back up and stay up. Is that for anyone in this room today? I'm talking about the difference this time. You're getting ready to go all the way up and stay all the way up. Right? Because you're going to stay with God this time. You're going to find out what he said and just do that. Watch this now. So God blessed Adam. What did that look like? Literally, God placed Adam in the garden, and he gave him assignment. He gave him job. He gave him blessing. The anointing of God was on Adam. Adam is naming all the plants, the vegetables, the animals, the insects, the bugs. How I many know Adam is flourishing in the prosperity that God put on him. Everything in that garden is obeying God. I mean, obeying Adam. Adam is giving instructions. The blessing is all around Adam, right? What happened? Can I have a little fun with this? He got married. <laughs> Ladies don't like that joke. Look, 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 look. She's like, no, he didn't say that. Watch this now. Stay with me. So Eve comes on the scene, right? Adam knows what God said, right? Adam knows. It was Adam's job to instruct Eve. The Satan comes in. He appeals to Eve by presenting her partial truth, right? As a result, she partakes of the apple, you all know, or the fruit. We say apple, the fruit. She gives it to Adam, and the Scripture says that Adam did eat with her. Immediately, folks, the effects of that shows up in the form of a curse. All right? Listen to my two points today. As long as Adam was obeying God, what was happening? Everything was working. The moment he disobeyed God, what happened? I see that, okay? 
So don't miss that point because that's so important in terms of everything else that I'm going to use today to build on this message. So now, Satan then is the one who introduced the curse back in the garden, right? God comes behind that and he says to Adam, you used to speak to everything. Now you're going to have to labor and you're going to have to toil. And by the sweat of your brown brow shall the earth yield its increase. Now he's got to work a little extra hard, right? So then what happens is Abraham comes along and then God makes a covenant with Abraham. I almost like to call that covenant that he made with Abraham an umbrella because the curse was still in the earth. But as long as Abraham stayed under the umbrella by obeying God, then it kept him free from the effects of the curse. Can everyone see that? And the same is true for us today. The blessing and the curse is the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, and it's the law of sin and death in the New Testament. How many know the effects of those are still in the earth? What activates the law of life is obedience. What activates the law of death is disobedience. So when God made that covenant with Abraham, most of us could understand that it's really as simple as us obeying God to really walk in everything that God has already provided for us. But wouldn't we think if it was that simple, we would all walk in it? Okay, so we need to understand that. You might notice daily that there's an enemy fighting against your obedience. How many of y'all can identify with that? He fights against you to keep you out of the Word. All kind of different things come throughout the course of the day to try to keep us off of walking in what will produce results for us in every aspect of our lives. Now, I want to show you something here. Go with me to John chapter 8. And I want to show you something here. This covenant that God cut with Abraham was to Abraham and all of his descendants, which we are a part of that by faith. But I want to show you something here that I believe happens uh, a lot just throughout history, mankind. John chapter 8, when you get there, once again, say amen. Let's begin reading at verse 31. I want you to remember everything that we've said up to this point. Verse 31, Jesus said here to those Jews which believed him. Now, let's identify the audience again, right? These are Jews that what? Believe him. Or we can say it this way. These are believing Jews. Is that safe to say that? All right. Is it also safe to say that it's possible to think you believe in something, but really don't believe in it? Is it safe to say that? Okay, let's watch the context here. Let's read this dissertation. So Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in me, my word, then you are my disciples indeed. If you live in, settle down in, take up residence, make my word a lifestyle, then you're my disciple indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? Shall what? All right, did it say the truth will make you free? Is that what it said? Says the truth that you know will do what? All right. So watch this. Then is it possible to hear something and not know it for yourself, but actually believe that you do? Is it possible to do that? So then how do you determine whether or not I know this for myself? 
Go back to what he said. Do you live it? Is it a lifestyle? Are you doing it? Okay? This is so important. All right? Let's keep reading. They answered in him, watch this now, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? I want you to see their position, their attitude. They knew that they were a descendant of Abraham, and as a descendant of Abraham, they were not supposed to experience any degree of bondage whatsoever. And you see their attitude, right? See how they describe that? What are you talking about? How are you going to make us free? We're Abraham's descendants. We've never been in bondage. See that? Let's keep reading. and show you how you think you can know something, but you really don't know it. You don't know it until you live in it. Let's keep reading. Jesus answered and said, most assuredly I say to you, now this is interesting, whosoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever. He has no eternal life. But a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, then you shall be free indeed. Now, hold on. They just said they're not in bondage to anything or any man. But it's interesting that Jesus' response went right to sin. Okay. How many know when Jesus sets you free, you don't return back to smoking cigarettes? When you really get free. Don't you listen to him. Don't anyone get in bondage in here. I'm just telling you, when you get free and he sets you free, you don't return back to where you came from. You're not in church one week, out of church the next week. You are free indeed when he sets you free. And I'm talking about he can set you free from anything that has you in bondage. Listen to me. And he can do it today. And it doesn't take him a long time. Now, let's, let's work with this a little bit. And we all, at one point or another, maybe still are. You know, we can let stuff, literally, that we're supposed to be free from, we can let it hang around and live with us, and it can just become normal. And yet we can think that we're free, but not really realizing that we're still in bondage. Interesting now, they declared out of their mouth that they are free, they're not in any bondage, right? Jesus says, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Where did that response come from? Unless he knew what was going on in them, right? So I want you to hear clearly, they declared that they were free. He's saying whoever habitually sins is a slave of it. So what's probably the truth here? What they said or what Jesus said? I want you to see this. There can be a clear, distinct difference between what we think we believe and what we actually live. And you can think it's normal. All right, let's keep working with this. Verse 37, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, Watch this. But you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. 
You don't understand what direction he's going in right now. I say what I've seen with my father. You do what you have seen with your father. So then what we do takes precedence over what we say. Can I go real slow today? We're talking about poverty versus prosperity, okay? So what I do takes precedence over what I say. And actually what I do is what I really believe. All right, let's keep traveling. It, man, I'm telling you, this is the most excitement I have ever seen in a church in my life. And this is good news. Somebody go ahead and give God a good glory, hallelujah in this place. It's good news, right? It's good news, right? Let's keep going. Watch this now. They answered and said to him, watch this now, Abraham is our father. They're real clear, aren't they? What did they say? Abraham is our father. Jesus said, if you were Abraham's children, then you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, we were not born of fornication. See, self-righteous. We have one father. Watch this. God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, then you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil. My, stop, Jesus. Man, Jesus was nothing to play with, wasn't he? Huh? You can't get much plainer than that. You can almost see the first, time, first two times he was trying not to say that, right? He was trying to be nice about it. You do what your father. He's trying to be nice about it. But since they kept working with him, let me be real clear. You are of your father, the devil. My God, plain and clear. Not based off of what they said, because they said they were a child of God. They said they belonged to Abraham. But what they did represented something totally different. I'm talking about the difference between poverty and prosperity. And I'm not tr trying to condemn anyone in here. The goal is to build up. You can fool the pastor. You can even fool your spouse. But I'm telling you, when you get naked before God, all your laundry getting ready to get aired out. And that is not the moment to try to deflect. That is the moment to say, change me, God. And because he's so full of mercy and grace, how I many know he's getting ready to come in there and clean you right up? Come on, fix you right up. Come on, treat you as though sin never existed in your life. Come on, put you right back where you were supposed to be as though you never messed up a day in your life and restore back to you everything that you lost while you were out there because he's just that good. Okay, let's keep reading a little bit more of this. Watch this now. What verse did we leave off at? 44. You are of your father the devil, 
and the desires of your father you want to do. Man, Jesus, slow down. He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Because he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. Come on, make it plain, Jesus. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Who, who, he who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear. Stop, Jesus, because you are not of God. We can't be much more plain than that, can we? Watch this now. It goes on even further. Then the believing Jews, this is what I want to prove to you today. Do you realize you can be in church for 30 years and have heard something for 30 years and it doesn't mean you believe it any more than you believed it 30 years ago? And the proof of it is that your life has not progressed any further than we were at when we first believed, thought we believed something. Because, folks, if we're not living in it and doing it, we don't believe it. Isn't that good? Watch this now. This is so powerful. What verse did I leave off at? Following closely. Then the believing Jews answered and said to him, Do we not rightly, do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? My God. Now they're getting ready to go back at Jesus. They basically said, you calling me a devil, you're a demon. How you know you don't know God when you start calling God a demon? Or another way to say this, you start ascribing the works of God to Satan. Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Do you see how he's still trying to help them? Right? Watch this. Then they look at how they turn. He's still trying to help. Then the believing Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead and the prophets and you say, if anyone keeps my word, they shall never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who is dead and the prophets who are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered and said, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him. Watch this. Because I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and he was glad. Then those believing Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old. How have you seen Abraham? Jesus said, Okay, you want it? I'm getting ready to give it to you. Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Before Abraham was, I am. 
Come on, somebody. Come on, church. I want you to see this. They were literally standing there talking to God and did not know it. What is my point today, folks? Being in church is one thing. But being the church is something completely different. And if you want to know the fundamental difference between poverty and prosperity, obedience, disobedience. I'm going to just bring it on home. 1219. I said enough. Praise God. Somebody said, you already said enough right there. Bring it on home, Pastor. Bring it on home. (laughs) Write down Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, 14, and 29. Okay. How does this apply to us today? Because the same blessing applies to us, right? We're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We're believers, right? So then is it possible if it happened to them, is it possible it could happen to us? Where we're saying all the right things, but we're not doing all the right things. Right? Okay. We already know it. We've quoted it. Christ has redeemed us, 13, from the curse of the law and all of its effects. So I want you all to understand, sickness has no place, no right in your life. Not for one second. I want you to understand that. Listen to me, whether you can receive this by faith or not. You should never experience brokenness one day in your life. That's why I didn't want to receive that. I'm talking about you're supposed to have all of your needs met all the days of your life. In Jesus' name. Okay, let me take it a step further. I was in the hospital a couple of weeks ago praying for someone, and I was unaware that they had a highly contagious virus. Okay? So I went in there and did what we do. Laid hands on them, right? Hugged them. The nurse comes in and says, you're going to need to sterilize your hand, sanitize your, your arms, really any part of you that touched him, you want to sterilize that and sanitize it. My immediate response was, I'm not concerned about it. It can't touch me. Right? Listen to me. Every time a virus touches your body, it should die instantly. Okay. Now, I said that by faith, and I believe that. But can I be transparent with you for a moment? I went out of there and went straight to the bathroom. I wanted the most powerful sanitizing. I'm just showing you how we're all human beings. As I'm walking out the hospital, Malcolm, my body started twitching. Come on, can can we just be honest in here? Got home, looked in the mirror, want to make sure my... Filling my head, making sure... 
But thank God, none of the effects of it touched my body. But how I many know I'm a human being just like everybody else in this room? I said the right thing. But how I many know that's where the real work comes in when you can really act on? I went straight to that bathroom. Matter of fact, if I can just show you what this looked like real quick, I went straight to that. I'm, I'm talking about <laughs> lathered up. Watch this. And by your stripes, Father, I am healed. From the crown of my head to the soles of my feet. Now I'm God's man of faith and power. Thousands can fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand. But it's not coming near me now that I have cleaned up and washed up again. Come on, church. Let's just be honest in here, right? We all go through this. There's a big difference between saying it and actually living it. Christ redeemed us from that curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Why? So that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. So that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. See, it's available. The promise that God made to Abraham through the Spirit is available to us by faith. We can take that as our own, but folks, the conditions will still be the same. The difference between poverty and prosperity is Not knowing it, but will you actually live out what it is that you know and fully obey the truth of it? It's what separates the difference between prosperity and prosperity. And verse 29 says, and if you be Christ, then you are what? Abraham's seed and what? Heirs according to the same promise, which means everything that concerns me is supposed to work. Let me leave you with these three things here. Three things you must do. And I'll close for the day. Three things you must do. Number one, these should go up on the screen. You must desire spiritual growth by feeding and acting on the Word of God. You must desire spiritual growth by feeding and acting on the Word of God. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 2 and 3. Okay, 1 Peter chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 2 and 3. Who was that we prayed for for that kidney? You noticing anything different? Can you feel anything different in your body? Praise God. Feel like heat or something? It's like I just saw some heat or something over there in that. Praise God for that. Okay, Healing power of God is flowing in that body right now. In Jesus' name. First Peter chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, or gracious, which means good. That word tasted there means experience. I mean, there's something about when you get an experience with God for yourself that no one can take. Now he's not the God of your pastor. He's not the God of, of T.D. Jakes. Come on, somebody. Now he's your God. When you have heard the word, 
grew on the word, obeyed the word, and the word came up true and you had an experience. I mean, once you have that, no one can take that from you ever again. And notice he said, desire the sincere milk of the word like a newborn baby. One thing I can remember about when we had children and my wife was breastfeeding, it was almost a mechanism, a trigger within her body that any time she heard the baby cry, there was an immediate supply that was happening within her body. It was almost like she would hear the baby cry and her body would begin to supply. And it was like clockwork. And then over time, I noticed that she began to get the rhythm of the baby, which meant she now would have the food prepared before the baby would cry. So now it wasn't a matter of getting the baby to stop the baby from crying. She discovered the rhythm of the baby so that she could get the baby before the baby even started crying. I believe that's a picture of what God wants to do with us. Moment something hits our lives, he wants us to know that the supply is already there. And what's going to happen is as you build a better relationship with the Word and you start confessing the Word before problems show up, now you're going to start finding out even when they show up, the supply was already there before the problem even showed up. And this is how we as believers get to go through things in life and nobody ever knew that you ever went through those. And I'm telling you, just for somebody in this room, what, what you went through, you are not getting ready to look like what you went through. I'm talking about you. What, oh, man, listen to me. I'm saying this by faith to somebody. I'm talking about no one will ever know. They're going to be so shocked to hear you say what it is that you've gone through because you're not going to look close to what it is that you've been through. That's for somebody in this room. I'm talking about you're getting ready to get on this and stay on this for the rest of your life. No more up and down for you. No more in one week, out the next week. I'm talking about you're getting ready, you're getting ready to make this your priority and you're going to live it every day of your life. That's for somebody in this. And, and watch this turn your whole situation around to the point where no one will ever know that you even went through something. Number two, you must accept that God's will is for you to prosper. We don't have to read this one again. Go to 3 John chapter 1, write it down, verses 2 through 4. 3 John chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. You must accept that it is God's will for you to prosper. He wishes above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And number three, as I close, you must work the law of giving and receiving. Number three, you must work the law of giving and receiving. Go back and look at Ecclesiastes chapter 11. I want to read these and I'll quote the last two. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Now remember, if I'm listening with the intent to obey, I mean, I'm taking notes. I'm writing down. Or I have a plan to go back and listen to sound clouding so that I can hear all of this again. I mean, I'm being real intentional about making this real in my life. Or if not, you just went to the movie theater today. How I many of we never remember the whole movie? Right? Okay, watch this now. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 says, Cast your bread upon the waters, for you shall what? Find it after what? After many days, you just do your job and let God do his job. You just do the casting 
How many know God will make sure it makes his way back to you? Right? Drop down to verse 4. It says, who, he who observes the wind will not what? So if you always pay attention to your circumstances, you're never going to cast your bread. Because how many know your circumstances will always tell you now is not the time? But what you don't understand is that might be the time that unlocks you never going back into that situation ever again. Right? Listen to me very carefully. How do you kill a body of water? You stop it from flowing. Right? How do you kill a human body? Stop it from moving. Right? You activate, accelerate the death process. How do you kill a Christian financially? You stop them from giving. It's a trick of the enemy, okay? Let's keep reading. Notice what he goes on to say. He who regards the clouds shall not reap. So notice, if my circumstances are stopping me from sowing, my circumstances are also stopping me from reaping. As you do not know what is the way of the wind or how the bones grow in the womb of her that is with child. So you do not know the works of God who makes everything. In the morning, sow your seed. And in the evening, do not withhold your hand. For you do not know which will prosper, either this or that, watch this, or whether they both alike will be good. I have made a decision, folks. I don't have to know how it's coming back. I just know it's coming back. I want to share something with you, how a lot of things are just built right into your obedience. I'll close. You guys can prepare. The church is right now in the due diligence period on our first permanent location, cash. That's a blessing. Listen to me. And if that's on the house, it's on all the members in the house too. Okay? We're in the due diligence period on our first building, cash. All right? Half, half off deal on it. We put in a, 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 man, I don't even want, I got so many testimonies to tell you on this situation. Well, I want to show you something here, how the provision comes along with the blessing. All right? Now, we get calls all the time about ride provider. My standard answer has always been, while we're a mobile church, we want to wait till we get our first permanent location. Right? And then once we get our first permanent location, we'll now start ride provider again, helping senior citizens and those that don't have transportation get to church. Well, it's interesting. Two days ago, I received a text. And the text said, would you be interested in a limousine bus? Would I be interested in a limousine bus? That's almost like that. You all understand, right? So, so, so immediately, you know, what you want to do, you know, business person, send the pictures. You want to make sure that limo bus is not leaning. <laughs> or you want to make sure it, it used to be a limo bus, now it's an MO bus. The, the L fell off of it. It's an MO bus. They sent the pictures of the outside. I, I said, all right. But they didn't send no pictures of the inside. So what text went back? What text went back? Send me some pictures of the inside. Sent the pictures of the inside. We're definitely interested in that. The problem will be getting those ride provider people out of that bus limo. Because they're going to say, can you take us downside, town, all the rest of that. This is another reason. We're in Atlanta. We're down here near the West End. Can I just be transparent? 
why I really wanted to know, see the interior pictures on that, that vehicle? Because it was a limo bus. I wanted to make sure it wasn't no scripper pole in there. I mean, y'all know we are in Atlanta. Uh oh, so you, you all gonna act like that. How many of y'all know we are in Atlanta? And, and so let's send the inside picture, because I, I don't want to put our people in anything. We're picking them up, and they like, Pastor. And, and the pastor has led the people all down the wrong path. So I said, send me some pictures of the interior. Interior checked out. So listen to this, folks. I didn't lost you now, right? I probably can't even pull you back around. Okay. So now listen to this. I want you to understand. The moment our heart was towards helping people, right? Because I'm getting ready to show you something. There's two other scriptures I want to quote to you. The moment our heart was towards helping people, Notice the provision shows up. Okay? Two other verses I'll quote. Luke 6.38 says that when you give, it's given back unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and what? Don't stop there, though. Shall what? Men. So I want you to use common sense. If God can't use you to bless other people, then who can he use to bless you? Because it's going to come through people. But if your hands are closed, then everybody else's hands are closed too. Last one, Deuteronomy 8.18 says it. But thou shalt remember it is the Lord thy God which gives thee the ability, right, to do what? Get wealth. Why? The power there means ability so that he may establish his covenant. Anytime you get a man or a woman that wants to take their resources and helps God, help God and his purposes in the earth, I mean, God's going to give that man or woman as much as they'll ever need. But the issue is never can God get it to you. The issue is can he get it through you. Did you all get anything out of this today? I'm done. I'm done. I really am. I'm done. Let's just lift both our hands up right now. I want to pray for this group today. Come on, I believe that was a word for somebody in here today. Got to understand, there's a difference between going to church and being in church. There's a difference between hearing the word and doing the word. That's really the difference between poverty and prosperity. And you have to make a decision today. Which side of that do you want to be on? Do I want to be a professional church goer for the rest of my life? Do I want to be someone that just hears the word for the rest of my life with no intent on actually doing it? Do I want to only learn what someone else is teaching me? Or do I, do I want to get to a place where I want to know it for myself, when I want to study it for myself, when I want to spend time with it every day for myself? And so, Father, I pray for every person in this room today under the sound and authority of my voice. I pray, Lord God, that you would grant them a spirit, Father, and a heart to want to know you more through your word. And not just know you, Father, but abide, abide in your word. Live in, settle down, and take up residence in it, Father, and let the word become a part of their lifestyle. And it's going to take them from the bottom all the way to the top, Father, and you're going to bless everything that they put their hands to. I decree and I declare that over everyone that has made that decision in their heart today. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. So now while you're in that attitude of prayer today, I want you to look up here at me for a moment, balcony or on the floor. I want you to search your heart, and I want you to be honest with God today. Be honest with yourself and be honest with God. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to pray with and for you today. I would encourage you to not walk out today.